Welcome back. We're in Revelation chapter 16, verse 18. Let's go. All right, so I'm actually going to go back a verse and a half and talk about the word uh, Armageddon uh, for a minute. I wanted to fill in some information. So one of my professors at Bible College uh, said it this way about Armageddon, the campaign of Armageddon. And before I say this, I just want to state this, as you'll hear me say throughout, which is we are going through the observation we read the text. We interpret it, and that's what we believe it to mean based on what the rest of the Bible tells us, the context of it, the culture which is written, who it was written by, etc. And then applying it. How does it apply to us today to change our lives? And observation is easy. You read it. Application is easy. What does it mean to you and how can you put it to work to change your life? The interpretation is where sometimes people have differences of opinion. Um, some are way out there and just make no sense. They're contrary to the biblical. They're unbiblical. They're in contrast to other verses. They don't make sense in light of the context in which it's written, etc. We see those all the time. Uh, we see people add chapters to the Bible, which ought not be there, like the Catholic, um, like Catholicism. We see uh, religions add books to the Bible, like Mormonism, who looks at the uh, Bible but they add on the Pearl of Great Price and some other books. God said, don't add, don't take away. When we get to Revelation, pretty much every expositor, every person who's studied it well, is going to have some differences of interpretation as you go through it. And that's okay. We can simply say this. Let's agree to disagree and love Jesus. Let's uh, interpret it the best of our ability. Let's understand each other and let's move on. Um, let's not argue about it in public. Let's not divide a church. Let's not divide brothers or sisters in Christ. Let's just say, ah, we have a difference of uh, interpretation on that, and let's figure it. We'll, you know, we'll get raptured, or we'll, we'll already be in heaven either way, and then God will reveal it to us. So we don't need to fight over it and be dogmatic about this. My timeline that I have for Revelation, I believe there's incredible biblical support for it, that it's that we're in the church age, it'll end with the rapture, then you'll have the tribulation for seven years. The second half of that is known as the great tribulation, which is three and a half of that seven-year period. Then you'll have a, a thousand-year millennial kingdom. Then you'll have the new heaven and the new earth. Very simple. Where some of this plays out inside of there is subject to interpretation. How it plays out is subject to um, interpretation. So one of my professors says this about the about Armageddon. He says there's eight stages of the campaign of Armageddon. One, the assembly of the allies of the Antichrist. And that's here where we're talking about in the plains of Echelon and uh, the, the, the plains of uh, near Megiddo. And then number two, you've got the destruction of Babylon. And remember, there's kind of the two components of Babylon. There's the uh, religious Babylon, which is this one world religion, which we'll talk more about uh, in the next coming episodes. And then you've got commercial Babylon, which is the the buying and selling of goods and just the kind of a system around the world to, to buy and sell goods, right? And number three, he says the fall of Jerusalem, and that will be divided into three parts. And then four, the armies of the Antichrist come down to Bozrah to kill the rest of the Jews, and they'll seek to annihilate all the Jewish population on the earth, completely focused on their destruction. And that's been the case throughout history. The devil has tried to wipe out all Jewish people throughout history. He had the, uh, you, you can just go back and see it. You saw it in Nazi Germany with Hitler. 
You saw it with um, the with Herod trying to kill babies when Jesus was born, just trying to wipe out sin because the devil knows that the seed will be the seed of David that is coming through Israel and as a nation and as a people group and the um, so he knows if he can chop that off, he wins. But he doesn't win. He always fails because God is sovereign. God is in control. Um, then the fifth thing that my professor said is we'll have the national regeneration of Israel. This has not taken place yet. This is during the tribulation. The national regeneration of Israel where the Jews who have been rejecting Christ, except for a few, are here and they'll start praying that God will intercede. Uh, my professor believes that the Jews will begin to repent three days from the end, um, you know, from the end of the tribulation. And that would make sense to me because three days are consistently important. <laughs> They're consistent throughout the Bible. They're important. And so it, it certainly makes sense to me there. And here we go. Hold on. Then he says, Israel repents of their sins. Then they plead for him to come back. And they are the only ones who can plea for him to come back. How cool is that? And then the sixth point he makes is the second coming of the Messiah. That's Jesus. The place of Jesus' second coming, he believes, is Bozer Petra. And the manner of his coming is on clouds. And his second coming will not be like his first coming. In the first coming, he was born. He was a suffering servant. In the second coming, he appears and he's a conquering king. And he appears to all everywhere. And then seven is the Battle of Bozra, which ends uh, at the Battle of Jehoshaphat in the uh, Kidron Valley, during which the Antichrist is slain. And oh, I don't have the eighth stage on here. Huh. Anyways, just wanted to share those with you. So different people are going to have different interpretations, maybe slightly different timelines, etc. But uh, that was one, one uh, commentator's. Uh, point of view on this Armageddon, which uh, gets confused uh, or confusing for a lot of people. Just know there's an area near Megiddo, um, north of Jerusalem, and Armageddon, the battles there will probably stretch not just from that area, but way south down to Bozrah and uh, probably go on for a, a little bit, uh, or they'll be marching uh, there for a little bit. So, Anyway, so here we go forward in verse 18. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Verse 18. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. Where have we seen that before? Let's go back about 13 chapters to Revelation 4. And Revelation 4, 5 says, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So we saw this at the beginning of Revelation, and now we're seeing it at the end of Revelation. So it's like his little bookends, only this one is bigger and more powerful and fierce than the ones previously to open up uh, the beginning of Revelation and the tribulation or towards that uh, moment. It says, and there are noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. So here in, in view is not just an earthquake, not even earthquakes that we were talking about earlier in the tribulation through other judgments. 
but the biggest, baddest, most powerful earthquake in the history of the world. That is going to be one big, bad, nasty earthquake. And I don't want to be here for it. And thank God I won't be because I'll either uh, take my last breath here and I'll be in heaven or I'll be um, raptured. So I'm not afraid of this earthquake at all. If you're not a believer, then you live during the tribulation. This is going to be a big thing. And verse 19, now the great city was divided into three parts. The great city is referred to as Jerusalem. So I believe that this is talking about Jerusalem. Divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. So to me, it appears that the epicenter of this great earthquake will be in Jerusalem. But it will extend so far that it will rock cities and nations which are obedient to Satan and the Antichrist. Why do I think that? Well, we know it's the biggest earthquake in history because it says, such a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since we were on, since men were on the earth. Now the great city, we know that to be Jerusalem. Uh, I strongly believe that to be Jerusalem at a minimum. Um, was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. What are the cities of the nations? These are the nations that are worshiping the beast under the Antichrist's uh, control. And so they will fall with this last seventh bull and with this earthquake. And then it goes on to say, and it says, And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So in great Babylon, so we've got religious Babylon, we've got commercial Babylon, um, we've just got Babylon in view. Babylon is not associated with a good thing, right? When they built the Tower of Babel, it was the people under Nimrod, and they were rejecting God. They were trying to make themselves God, saying, look how powerful and awesome we are. We're going to build this tower to the skies. And God scattered them and changed their language, and that's why we say Babel. When we say a baby babbles, oh, look at the baby babbling. Or I couldn't hear this person on the phone. They were just babbling. Or listen to this politician. They're just babbling. Well, that word babbling comes from the word Babylon because there were so many different languages that God scattered them and put on them that they couldn't understand each other. It's just Babel. So we call it Babel. Uh, so a little history lesson and a play on words there, if you will. And so great Babylon was remembered before God. Did God forget about Babylon? Does, does God need to remember, call to remembrance anything? No. He knows everything. Like in the garden when he says, or, um, was it? I'm not looking at it right now, but are you hiding from me? Or where are you? Is it that God doesn't know? No, he's just waiting for an answer. He wants to know if we're honestly going to answer him or if we think we're smart enough or we, we think that he's not sovereign, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, that he can't know these things. So he's not sovereign. He is. He knows these. It's just saying it's the time. It is the time for this. And his timing is perfect. Our timing is not. If I were God, I would do things in a different way and the, everything would be way more screwed up. And in fact, I am my little God and, and probably so are you. We do so many things that are in our own self-interest and contrary to what God wants us to do. Every time we sin, that's exactly what's going on. We're saying, I either think I know better than God or I just want to dabble in this temptation for a minute to get away, to to take my mind off of the rougher things of life, something like that. We're making ourselves little gods. But may we be convicted and look to Jesus and say, Lord, help me. 
I don't want that. I want to worship you. I want everything I do, everything that emanates from me, to reflect you, to glorify you, and to honor you. And that's what I encourage all of us to do. It says, And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So the the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So this is the full wrath of God. This is his wrath. And yes, he has wrath. Why? Because he is a just God. And just since he is just, it requires justice. Just like a person, if they raped or murdered or beat up your wife, sister, or mother, you would want justice. You would say there must be justice. Well, there will be justice on those who reject God, on those who oppose him. But for those who we look at from a worldly standpoint and we say that person can't be forgiven, they've got to serve a life sentence in prison, whatever. Yes, there's earthly consequences. Maybe they murdered someone and they got a life sentence. But some of those people, listen to this, some of those people come to Jesus in prison. I listened to a testimony last night. Dr. Yuan, I think is his name. Oh, I highly, strongly encourage it. I'll try to share a a link um, maybe tomorrow. And uh, he was a student about to get his PhD. I think he said three weeks or three months from graduating uh, with his doctorate uh, to be a dentist. And he he got kicked out of school. And he became a homosexual drug dealer and a huge drug dealer at that point. And his mom was on the... uh, I'll save it for you. I'll share the link. But God can change anybody. God can change anybody and cleanse them and put their sins away as far as the east is from the west. So don't think for a second that a murderer on death row in prison can't come to Christ because they can, and they have. I've done prison ministry before, and it's absolutely extraordinary the faith that some of those prisoners inside of those prisons have who realize that they lost everything, that they were living for themselves, and then they gave their lives to Christ, and they read the Bible, and they pray, and they've really got nothing but time on their hands to think about the things of life. And some of those people are far more free than the people outside of those prisons who are imprisoned by their own shame, bitterness, regret, or money, or job security, or something like that. Lord, thank you so much for forgiving us when we ask you that forgiveness. No matter what we've done, and all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We know, Lord, and however, help us to know if we don't know, that there is no one good but God. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. There is no one good but you, Lord. We're not good. We're not righteous. You declare us to be righteous when we ask you to control our lives, to come into our lives, to be part of our lives, to be the preeminent thing in our lives. Help us to understand that truth, Lord, and to live this day for you and to take our our minds off of worldly things and focus on heavenly things. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.